the power of investing is time. You want the longest time horizon physically possible. So every 22-year-old, I want investing because then you have to save way less money over time and that's more money in your pocket later. Welcome to the Big Kid Problems Podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human behind the popular Instagram, Twitter, blog, and now podcast, Big Kid Problems. So I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about navigating the adult world. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have big kid problems. We're all just trying to figure it out. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. For those of you new to the show, I'm your host, Sarah Merrill Hall. I'm the voice and personality behind the comical Big Kid Problems Instagram, Twitter, blog, and now, obviously, podcast. Welcome. I can't believe we're almost done with the first month of 2022. I mean, how are those New Year's resolutions coming along, guys? (laughs) I'm sorry to personally attack you with that question, but you know, I mean, it's important for all of us to check in. If I'm going to be honest, I'm doing okay on mine. If you guys actually listened to the first episode of the year, our easing into 2022 episode, I set some really easy goals for myself this year. Like way different than I've ever done in years past. I mean, my main goal is to just slow the fuck down this year and give myself some grace through the rest of my pregnancy. And on that goal, I think I'm doing pretty good. You may have noticed I actually gave myself off last week and damn... I didn't know how much I actually needed that. And I'm sorry if I left you guys hanging last week, but I have had to cut back a little bit on episodes for the rest of this year. I think I'm doing three a month right now and we'll be gradually moving it down to two as I get a little bit closer to my delivery date. So, you know, that I can actually focus and learn how the fuck to take care of a baby. Because spoiler alert, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like not the slightest clue. I don't even know how to hold a baby. And I feel very lost and we have about three months to figure it out. And, you know, your girl is spiraling a little bit. So anyways enough about me. (laughs) I brought up New Year's resolutions because I don't know about you, but there is probably not a year that goes by that money is not on my goals list. Like who doesn't want to make more money? And we've talked about personal finance on this podcast before, but this week I wanted to really focus on investing and making your money work for you. And honestly, the earlier in the year that you can set yourself up with this, the better. And I know this stuff can be intimidating, especially for women who happen to lag way behind guys when it comes to investing. But that is why I am so excited for our guest this week. She is on a mission to help women take control of their money. CEO of Penny Finance, Chrissy Cole is in the house. So Chrissy is a veteran of Wall Street. She spent 10 years working at Goldman Sachs and wealth management. And she has since founded this early stage fintech company called Penny Finance. So Penny Finance aims to empower women to claim their financial futures by providing education on how to invest, as well as providing tangible steps towards various financial goals like retirement, buying a home, managing student loans, all those fun things. Guys, I know finance and investments can sound scary, even unsexy, or something that you just may not want to deal with right now. But I cannot stress this enough. The longer you ignore this stuff, you are only costing yourself money in the long run. Like I'm going to talk about it more in the episode, but I learned this lesson firsthand. I started investing in my early 20s before a lot of my friends when I was barely making money. But those small investments have actually accumulated over the years and have really set me up in my early 30s. Just to give you a little bit of personal news, my husband and I just finally closed on a house this week. 
I haven't really talked about it on this podcast, but I've been internally freaking out a little bit because we, you know, obviously have this baby on the way and we've been in house limbo for months. But you know what actually helped us finally qualify for our house? Yeah, those investments I made in my 20s. Investing over time leads to real assets and real wealth. And by now you probably already know this, but nobody is coming to make you independently wealthy. Like you have to do this stuff for yourself. So I hope this conversation with Chrissy Cole inspires you and gives you a little launching pad to get started today. Actually, Chrissy is so nice and is going to offer our listeners a free month of Penny Finance after this episode to get you started towards your financial goals. So stick around until the end of the episode for that. But without further ado, let's get into this one, folks. Get comfy and we will be right back. How many unread emails do you have sitting in your inbox? Are you wasting hours and hours of your day procrastinating? If you're like me and already feeling personally attacked by these questions, our new sponsor, Thesis, can help. Guys, I am so excited to be partnering with Thesis. They make personalized supplement formulas that are specifically designed to boost cognitive function. It's based in the science of nootropics, which are natural and powerful ingredients, think like caffeine, ginseng, and B12, that increase productivity, focus, energy, and mental clarity. Nootropics can help you feel energized without the crash, cut through brain fog to think clearly, or get a little help with motivation to find your flow. Right now, take their three-minute online quiz and Thesis will recommend high-quality nootropic formulas that are unique to you and your goals. Over 60,000 entrepreneurs, lawyers, engineers, busy professionals, and parents have used Thesis to get better results at work and home. So just imagine what you can do with Thesis. Right now, Thesis is offering our listeners 10% off your first starter kit when you visit takethesis.com slash BKP. Go to takethesis.com slash BKP to take this quiz and discover your unique nootropic combination and save 10% on your first starter kit. Guys, I'm going to link it in show notes, but again, that's takethesis.com slash BKP. Make sure to use our URL to let them know I sent you. All right, guys, we have Chrissy Cole in the house, the CEO and founder of Penny Finance. Welcome to the show, girlfriend. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited that you're here. We're talking about a topic I always get scared to talk about, <laughs> and that is <laughs> personal finance, anything finance related, um, which is lame. I feel like it's, you know, we, 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 this is something we deal with a lot in our lives and we need to get comfortable talking about it, which is why I love what you're doing with your platform, Penny Finance, making it, making finance a little bit more fun, a little bit more digestible, doing God's work over there. Oh, thank you. Yes, it is a very intimidating topic. So we we want to demystify all yes. things finance and investing. Yes. Um, and so before we even get started today, I kind of wanted to give the audience a little bit of background on you because you have such an impressive background. I mean, I know you worked on Wall Street at Goldman Sachs. Can you give us a little background on you and kind of how you got into finance? Sure. Um, so I was very lucky. I had a very financially forward mom. And at a young age, I think I was probably 13 or 14, she gave me a hundred bucks to buy my first stock. I think I bought like Krispy Kreme or something ridiculous. Um, but she wanted to get me exposed to investing. And that was at a young age. So I became interested in it. I ended up studying finance in college and joined the investing club. I was the only girl. Um, and I was like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> because it, it's, it's so fun and it's such an interesting thing to me investing. But there, you know, times have changed, but not a ton of women um, are in the field. That is changing rapidly. But right out of college, I moved to New York. I got a job at Goldman Sachs. I worked in investing for 10 years. I also built some trading and tech platforms um, at Goldman while I was there. I had an amazing time. And that's, that's sort of how I got into it. I learned from my mom. I learned a little bit in college, but then I really just learned most of it on the job. That's so awesome. I'm always curious, like 
like peeking behind the curtain of Goldman Sachs because I feel like I my impression of it is just like the Wolf of Wall Street office <laughs> where like there's create somebody's throwing a midget you know at, at a Target there's like strippers walking around like what oh what's gosh. it like was it a, no. was it like a super boys club like that though no not at all it is so funny you ask that people ask me that all the time it is not it was not that way for me and I worked at headquarters in New York it was very professional very quiet very, like, very organized. Like, there was none of that craziness going on. I never felt disadvantaged or like an outsider being a woman. I felt like I was promoted and rewarded just like any other person there. And I loved it and learned everything I know. Um, so it's so funny you say that, but you wouldn't know unless you worked there and were in the four walls. So I actually think like there is a club, but it's, I don't, think it's like a boys club and I don't think it's like Wolf of Wall Street. It's just, if you have money, you're in the investing club. And if you don't, you're not. And just historically, women have held more debt than men. Women hold two thirds of the debt in this country. And 70% of women don't want to invest. So it's more of like women sometimes feel like an outsider or if you're not on Wall Street or not working at a bank and not in it all day, you like don't know what it is. So that's what we're trying to do at Penny is give women more role models of young people investing and in that world without having to, you know, work on Wall Street or day trade or do all of the crazy things that you see in the media. Yeah. And, and, and that's something, I mean, I even see it when I like talk to my girlfriends because I kind of had a similar mom. Like my mom, you know, didn't have money growing up. Her parents like put a lot of money into like the stock, uh, into stocks and stuff like that. And over time, like that's how they ended up like getting out of debt and, mm -hmm. you know, actually becoming financially secure. So my mom has always been big in like, you know, investing and putting money into the stock market and putting money away and saving and all of that stuff. So from a young age, I kind of in the same way, like started saving, started doing investments. And I'm already amazed and like, you know, from my early twenties to my early thirties, what a span of 10 years, I've seen like, it has helped me so much in my yeah. life. And yeah. I just want more women to do it earlier on, like the earlier, the better. And I think a lot of us just get nervous and not even nervous, but also like paying for our lives in general can be hard. It's a, it's a really tough thing because one, you're never taught any of this in school. So there's a huge education gap. And you know, if you don't know something, of course, it's going to feel intimidating to do it. So the first thing we have to do is just have more education around what it is. And what I've learned is it's actually a lot less harder than the world makes it out to be with all the crazy jargon and, you know, the movies about it, whatever. It, it's women are super smart. We're more educated than men. We've been more educated since the 80s. The, the problem is just that we're not taught this stuff and it's not talked about enough. Um, but the beauty of investing is like the compound interest. I mean, it's it's all about time. And and the the most important lesson that I've learned is the earlier you start, just the less money you have to save and the, the more compound growth you have, that is how you build wealth slowly. And that's what we all we all need. And and the problem is, you know, when you're 22 and have no money, it's like, well, why can't, why should I invest? Because I can't even pay my bills. But the thing that you, you just have to do it even with the smallest amount, because that's how you win in the end. Yes. And I, I feel like before we get into investing, we do have to talk about debt because that I think is probably one of the biggest problems too and why more people don't get into the investing game where they're like, well, how can I invest money if I have to still pay off like my student loans or my credit card bill? And I like, I was actually, I was uh, like reading up on you and I heard that you, you know, even though you're so financially savvy and obviously like live in this world, I mean, you moved to New York with a shit ton of student debt mm -hmm. and even had to put, you know, some of your rent on credit cards, which I was like, what? <laughs> so, I, I'm sure this is something like a lot of our audience can relate to just like struggling with student debt, credit card debt, all of just debt in general. And I'm interested how you, you know, were able to claw your way out and maybe if you yep. have any tips for our audience. Yeah. So, um, yes, I, when I was 22, I moved to New York for, for the investing job. The salary was just like any other, you know, starting salary. I had a hundred K in loans. And my rent for a studio apartment, it was like $2,500. I had nothing in savings. You have to put down a security deposit. You're not making money yet. 
and I was, I knew I had to pay my minimum on my loans or else they were just going to grow and grow. So I sort of, in all of my twenties, this was an issue of paying the bills of, of the city and paying your loans and wanting to invest. So what I did um, and what we tell our penny users to do is you have to do it all somehow. So that the first thing you do is pay the minimum on your loan. So it wasn't like I was chipping away at these loans early on. Like I was just paying the minimum. But if you pay the minimum, at least the balance won't grow. Because when the balance starts growing, like you're really screwed because you're never going to catch up. Um, and then, you know, all the money you're contributing towards it goes to nothing because they're growing even more. So the first thing I tell people about debt and what I did is figure out the minimum payment and pay that. We have calculators in Penny that, you know, calculate this number for you. The banks aren't going to tell you this number because they don't want you to get out of debt. That's how they make their billions. Um, so that it's the biggest thing is just knowing what should your payment be. And usually the payment, even on 100K loans, which is a ton, right, from college, mm-hmm. I think I was paying like $600 a month Ooh. minimum. It's doable. It feels like a lot, but it's doable. So that's the first thing you do. The second thing is, you know, I couldn't pay my rent. <laughs> so there is um, this uh, financial product called a 0% credit card. Um, I don't know if you've heard Mm -hmm. of it, but it's essentially a temporary solution where you can use a credit card, but it won't charge you interest for a certain period of time. Usually it's a year or a year and a half. I use that because I had no other option really. And I just prioritized finding a roommate and reducing my rent. And so it just bought me time. It bought me a year to just figure it out, right? Meet people, find a roommate. I found a roommate, reduced my rent, paid off the 0% credit cards and then, you know, you move on. But there are a bunch of other options, which we can get into. You know, you can refinance your debt. That's an option for people. Before we move on, like what, which 0% credit card did you use? Cause oh gosh, I don't, I don't remember at that point, but they change so frequently, which credit card companies are offering the 0% at any given time. You Google it. Like right now for Penny, we actually use a 0% credit card through Wells Fargo to fund mm. the first year of the business. So, but so just, Google, just Google, Google 0%. 0% credit card. And the way they work is you can transfer a credit card balance onto it. They'll charge you a small fee to do that. Or it's just like applying for a new credit card. It does reduce your credit score temporarily you know, because you applied for a new card and you're not paying your balance, but it's marginal compared to how much interest you would spend if you're paying like 30% interest on a credit card. Like that's ridiculous. That's like, I mean, you'll never get out from under that. So I always, always tell people, you know, it's a good temporary stopgap and online, they make it so easy. You could just put in your current credit card and it sweeps it over for you. The key is to remember when the 0% ends. Yes. In your so calendar, do you want to? Yeah. Because do you do you want to make sure that um, you are completely a hundred percent paid off on that at the end of the year, or can you still have some debt at the end of the year? You could, but it's just going to revert to a traditional card, and it's going to start charging you the twenty to thirty percent interest that other cards charge you. So the key is to that that date, you have it in your head, you have it in multiple calendars, you want to pay it all off by that date so that you don't then start accruing interest. I mean, what you can do is then transfer it to another 0% credit card for another year if you're, you know, you really need to buy more time. But um, for the way I, I don't think of it as a long term solution. It's just okay. like buys you like a year. Okay. So we buy ourselves a little bit of time. Um, What other steps can we take to kind of help get us out of debt? Yeah, I'd say the, the second thing is whenever you have a little bit of excess in your account over an emergency cushion. And when I tell people emergency, your emergency savings should be like three to six months of what your expenses are. I hate doing like three to six months. It totally depends on your personal situation. Are you secure in your job? Are you going to change jobs, et cetera? But 
if once you funded your emergency savings, anything that you have left over, pay down a loan and start with the highest interest rate. Most student loans are six, seven, eight, nine percent. Start with the nine percent one. Mm. Pay it off. Another tip, which is like really, if you have to count your pennies, which is a lot of people, like I look, I didn't pay off my loans until I was 30 years old. I didn't start investing outside my 401k until I was like 32 years old. You know, it's it's hard. Like life costs a lot. You could also based on your job, you can change um, the amount of taxes that are withheld from your paycheck just to get a little extra in your paycheck every month to help you pay off your loans. That's another tip we sometimes give to people. But the key is figure out the minimum, pay a little bit over if you can. When you have a few thousand extra in your bank account, pay it off and you will pay it off. It's the the issue is if you're not paying the minimum, they're just going to grow and they're going to you're going to die with these stupid things. And we don't yeah. want that. We don't no, want we don't want that. <laughs> Conquer your resolutions one bottle at a time. Ready for a new you in 2022? More Labs wants to help you to start maximizing life with just a few sips. Some of you may be doing dry January this year, but for those who want a more moderate approach to reframing their relationship with alcohol, how about drinking smarter in 2022? No matter how much fun you're having, the day after celebrating can still suck. That's why More Labs created Morning Recovery, the drink for when you drink. Just take one bottle while drinking and feel better the next day or your money back. So how does this work? Morning Recovery uses a patent-pending, plant-derived superhero formula that helps speed up the breakdown of alcohol-induced toxins. So you can wake up feeling 100% in like a real human, even after a rough night. So Morning Recovery also uses a proprietary blend of electrolytes and vitamins to rehydrate and restore lost nutrients. It's the smart way to drink every time you drink. So don't let rough mornings after drinking dampen the next day. Drink smarter with morning recovery at morelabs.com slash big kid. Oh, and use code big kid for 20% off your order. That's morelabs.com slash big kid and use code big kid for 20% off. When it comes to like paying off your credit card, because I... I mean, my mom was always big on like, you have to pay 100% of your credit card every yes. single yes. month. Like, do you agree with that? Or yes. is there ever a reason to like only pay the minimum? The only time is if you first, if you have one of these 0% credit cards, but if you just have a regular credit card, you need to pay that they call it the statement balance, the full amount every single month. Otherwise hmm. you get charged. 20 to 30 percent interest that's that that could be thousands of dollars every month yeah you want to give that money to the credit card company so and if you can't and if you can't pay the statement balance move to a zero percent card and oh by the way these credit card sites sometimes don't even tell you what like what's the right number you might pay the minimum and it's like oh you owe zero dollars you're good you're not good it has to be the full statement balance for you to not incur those big, big, big interest charges. Ugh. I remember in my early <laughs> 20s, um, I was so broke and I was like living paycheck to paycheck. And my roommate was like, well, stop paying your credit card off in full. Like, mm -hmm. that's why. Like, all your money is like going away as soon as you get it. So there was like three months where I only paid... I set it up for like $500. So it wasn't just the minimum. It was like more than the minimum, but I was only yeah. paying off like $500 on my credit card. And like after three months of doing that, I was like, holy shit, this is now a number that I can't pay off at the end of right. the month. Like I went from right. being able to do it to not being able to do it. So right. it's scary. That's why I'm like always a big proponent of just, yeah. just pay it off in full every month, even if you have to like cut back. Yeah, and look, we've all been there. I've had so many months where I haven't paid my credit card. Like sometimes life just, you just spend over or you have a one-time expense that like you you just can't avoid. Like you said, it, it becomes a very dangerous territory because it just accumulates and then it becomes so unwieldy that you don't know what to do with it. So 
a tip I always give people about credit cards is I have three. I have one for like must have things like food, like you have to eat. I mean, you have rent if they let you put it on your credit card, insurance, all that goes on one card. And it's usually the same amount every month. So I'm never surprised. Then I have one for shopping because I have a serious, I, I just, I love, I mean, who doesn't love getting a box to their door? Like, <laughs> And I've tried, I've deleted my Revolve app like five million times. I always just re-download it and reorder stuff, you know? Like it's it's just hard. You can just one click buy everything. So I have a shopping one so I can very clearly see uh, how much, what the total I'm spending. Cause when it's just with every, aggregated with everything else, you know, you don't realize, holy shit, I'm spending a thousand dollars a month on clothes. Like, you know, so, and then I have one for Amazon cause I do the same thing. You end up buying you just buy crap all of the time. So I tell people you can sort of use credit cards as like an alternative way to budget. And it helps you to just feel more in control of your spending uh, and not be surprised every month when you open your credit card. You're like, oh shit, I, I went actually a like overboard. Yeah, I like that a lot because I'm in that boat where like I have basically like everything on one credit card and some months I'm like, how is this double what this normally (laughs) is? And then I go through it. I'm like, yeah, I'm like positive that there's fraud. I'm like, someone definitely went shopping on my card. I go through every charge. I'm like, oh, I like really crushed it it on Postmates. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Um, so that's what I do. I've never budgeting has never worked for me. You know, you sit down, you you like are aggressive with all the numbers line by line. I'm so strict. It it's really hard to stick to that. So I my problem areas are Amazon and shopping. So I have a separate card for those. And you know, you could do the same with like Postmates or whatever. And where wherever it is you're spending money, and then it helps you sort of like. Yeah, that, keep tabs. They didn't check. <laughs> oh, okay. These are these are this is great. I'm I'm loving this. Okay, so we we obviously we talked a little bit about debt and something we have not talked about on this podcast at all ever really is investing. And I would love to get into that today because I I think we need like a 101 kind of crash course like when should we start investing? Like, how do we even get started? All of those good mm-hmm. things. So for anybody who, um, you know, maybe wants to get their head in the game, like when do you know, like when is a good time to start? Like if you if you have a bunch yeah. of, of student loans, like can you still start investing yeah. or do you want to pay those should. off first? No, you should. So the only reason you wouldn't start investing is if you can't pay your minimum, that minimum number on your loans and you ha- or you have credit card debt. I want you to pay off credit card debt first. I want you to pay your minimum on your loans. But after that, even if you're living paycheck to paycheck, even if you're not chipping away big time at those loans, I want people to start investing. And the reason is the power of investing is time. You want the longest time horizon physically possible. So every 22-year-old, I want investing because then you have to save way less money over time and that's more money in your pocket later. And when I when I talk about investing, there's there's a gazillion different types. You could buy real estate, you could invest in the stock market, you can buy crypto, you can invest in startups. I'm talking about investing in the stock market in a diversified portfolio. That's what we focus on. That's how you build wealth long term. That's for planning for retirement. And I think that's the number one focus above anything else before you buy a house, before you start thinking about investing in some of these riskier things like a restaurant deal or crypto or startups or whatever. And the reason is in order to retire with enough money <laughs> so you, you know, can just chill after working for 40 years, you sort of need like 1.2 to $1.6 million in this world to live to like 90. If you retire at 65, that is a shit ton of money. And so the only way to get there is starting early, 22, 23, 24, 25. You can still do it, obviously. Like if you're 35 and you could start investing today, that's totally fine, but you're just gonna have to save more, just more money out of your paycheck, you know, every month. So how to get started. I think this is where people get stuck because there is a lot to learn. It is a whole foreign world, right? The stock market is 
has been made super complicated for no reason. The jargon is ridiculous. And so the first thing is to just start learning. So I always tell people to download the Apple Stocks app on your phone and just start looking at <laughs> looking at the stock market and following it. You don't need to look at it every day. Um, but just to sort of get comfortable with it. And then the second thing I tell people is figure out if you have a 401k and start there. If not, you have to open an IRA, which is an individual retirement account and start there. You never have to do, you never have to do anything else. If you have a 401k or IRA, it's healthy. A lot of people think, oh, I need to have these like big investing accounts and I need to day trade and look at it every day. Absolutely not. You don't have to do that. <laughs> and a lot of people can do that through their job, right? Like I'll, yeah. I know that's how I got started on mine was through my company. But if you don't, like like nowadays, yeah. like I work for myself. So you can mm -hmm. still open a 401k? No. So 401k is if you work at a company and the company offers a 401k to you. The way the trick is 401k for, it's for you. Like the company set it up for you. If you don't work at a company, you're self-employed like me or you, you have to open an IRA, individual retirement account. And IRA, I set it up for myself. And you can set up an IRA in any, almost all banks in the US offer IRA accounts to you, but you do have to go open that type of account. It's named something different. And there's different rules for each. And this is where it gets complicated. Like the IRS has made it so complicated, different rules for different accounts, for, you know. It, and so the way I simplify it for people is if you work at a company, go take advantage of the 401k. If you don't open an IRA and start with $300 a month. 300 that's, a month. That's the target. That's it. $300. Okay. Guys, we're talking about spending our money wisely this week. And I don't know about you, but food is a big expense for me every month. What if you could save money and buy higher quality, more ethical and sustainably sourced meat each month? Well, you can with ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a subscription service that takes the guesswork out of finding high quality meat. ButcherBox sources their meat from partners with the highest standards of quality, no more searching the grocery store for 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, wild-caught seafood, and more. I actually low-key love to cook, and I started ButcherBox back during the quarantine days when I really didn't want to leave the house for anything, and I'm still obsessed. I love that I can get a variety of different meats. I mean, it really helped me expand my horizons as an amateur chef, and it is so easy and affordable compared to going into a grocery store. Every month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of high-quality meat right to your home, free shipping for the continental U.S., and I can just rest easy knowing there's no antibiotics or added hormones, and each box contains between 8 to 14 pounds of meat, depending on the box you choose. That's enough for 24 individual meals. That is going to be a huge saving. And actually, this is your chance to never have to shop for ground beef again. Because that's right, ButcherBox is giving new members free ground beef for life. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash BKP and get two pounds of ground beef free and every order for the life of your membership. Log on to butcherbox.com slash BKP to claim this deal. I think I started at like $100 a month when I was 22. Fine. Yeah. And then I, I just bumped it up. Like the older I got, like I was like, oh, I can afford, I can afford 200. I can afford 300. I think I stopped at 300 though. Cause then yeah. I wanted to go to brunch. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when you start seeing it grow, then you're like, oh, I could, I, I could do this a little more. It's hard. It sucks, right? It's taken out of your account, but the, the beauty of it, if you're 22 and you start with $300 a month, you will retire with $1.2 million. Damn. If, if you start at 30, then it's 700 a month you have to put in. If you start at 40, then it's like 1,500 a month. So 
you don't want to be putting 1500 a month in when you're 40. You probably are going to have kids in a house and all these other expenses. You're not even going to have that money. So, so I tell people the earlier you start, the less you save later. And it's going to hurt. It's not going to feel good. You want, you want to go spend that money. Yeah. I want to go buy a pair of jeans, but you just have to stomach it and do it. It's going to pay off in the end. Yeah, that smaller amount. I mean, at a certain point when it's automated too, and you just set it up and you never freaking mm-hmm. look at it again, it just, it you don't even think about it. Like right. I go years and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess my I still have money pouring into that thing, but I don't even, exactly. does it, I don't yeah. feel it. You don't feel it, you don't think about it. And that's the beauty of, you know, especially a retirement account is, and we'll get into this, like how do you think about what to invest in and all of that. Once you set it up, you shouldn't have to, look at it often. I mean, I look at mine once a year to just make sure everything's fully invested. And depending on how you've invested it, you know, that's, that's not super time consuming. A lot of people think like investing is, oh, I have to follow the stock market every day. I have to watch CNBC. I have to read Wall Street Journal. I have to like day trade. Not at all. That's not the case. And I, I want people to know that because it's doable for everyone. Yeah. And that's the thing is, I think people get intimidated because they're like, well, other people know more than I do. And it doesn't matter. Like I can use, I'll use uh, me and my husband as an example. Like Brandon, like looks at all of that stuff and like mm-hmm. is very well read on like trends and all that stuff. I know nothing. Like I literally open up like my Robinhood app and I'm like, oh, I like my Peloton. I'm going to put stock there. Or, like <laughs> Teslas are cool. I'm going to put money there. And uh, my portfolio is like outperformed his. So I don't yep. think you'd have to worry I'm about- Anybody like know what you don't have to like know what you're doing or research daily. It's I don't no. I don't know. It's all uh, yeah. It all goes back to you just you know what's your goal and you know what type of account is it and do you need the money and then you know women are unbelievable investors. I mean the statistics are ridiculous. Women outperform men. Mutual fund managers, hedge fund managers, individual stock traders. Yet. So many less men, uh, so many less women are investing. So women are really good at it because they're really good at you know thinking about risk and goals and trends. And so it's really just about getting in the game. And and the hardest part is you know taking the first steps of learning it because it's boring to most people <laughs> and doing it. <laughs> yes. So okay. So after we have our. 401k or our IRA set up. We got our automatic payments flowing. Life is good. At least for me, when I started investing in additional uh, stocks was when kind of what you were saying earlier is I noticed, you know, I had my, I had the money I needed as my cushion in my bank account. And then I had excess. I had a little bit extra money to play around with. So for anybody in that boat, like, let's talk about like, some getting into investing in like additional stocks or are things that are a little bit like different than like your traditional, like, you know, um, uh, like retirement account. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So, (laughs) so retirement accounts, I always tell people like, you're not going to be buying Peloton or Netflix or Apple or any, you know, company you're going to be buying funds and that are going to be invested diversified over the long term for you. We, there's a bunch of different ways to do that. And we would spend hours on it if we talked about it, but there's um, many, many, many different investments that essentially do it for you. ETFs, exchange traded funds, which are a collection of stocks or target funds, or some companies, 401ks now just let you say, I want 80% stocks and 20% bonds and they do it for you. Um, So for a 401k or IRA, you just, the key is, you know, to be diversified so you're not taking too much risk because you need that money in your nest egg when you retire. Now, to answer your question, once you've done that, you've got your emergency savings account set up, you have your debt paid off, and you want to start investing outside of that, there are a bunch of things you can do. Me, personally, I don't like buying stocks because I feel like I have to follow them and spend tons of time checking in on them. So I do the same thing I do in my 401k and IRA and my personal investing account. I buy the funds um, that are interesting to me. You can buy, you know, a robotics ETF or a clean energy ETF. You can sort of think about like, what are the themes in the world that I think are really going to 
change the game, I'm going to invest in those. Or Wait, before, you can buy, before you before yeah. you move on, where do you buy those? Well, you can buy the, them on Penny. Doesn't suggest any brokerage accounts specifically. There are so many. I my account is with Fidelity. Um, my husband's account is with Merrill Edge. There's E Trade. There's Robinhood. There's so many different different platforms. No, almost all of them don't charge you fees nowadays. I'm less concerned with where you do it. Mm-hmm. I'm just more concerned that you're getting invested in doing it and understand the risks and are doing it smartly. There's a whole nother world of robo-advisors. I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, there's these platforms. There's so many of them. Betterment, Elvest, where they invest for you. So you don't have to do anything. They'll get, they're going to charge you a fee though. It's usually like a quarter of a percent to a half a percent. It's not a lot, but they'll do it for you if you have no interest in doing it. Um, but the one platform I will recommend is called Mark- Market Watch. You don't actually invest on Market Watch, but you can look up different funds, different stocks, and learn about them on that platform. I think that's it's one of the best ones. You can read news about different companies. You can see... Um, if a stock has a dividend, you can see what the fee is in a fund. So getting, um, so that's what I recommend is Market Watch. I don't care any any brokerage platform, any app. I'm not concerned with any of them. Honestly, they all have to have really strict compliance to even be in existence. <laughs> so I just care that people are investing for their age and their risk and their goals. Like I hear a lot of stories about people who will just put $5,000 into a stock, but they needed that money to live. Not That's not how it works. If you need the $5,000, put it in a savings account. <laughs> Don't yes. invest it. Like You have to think about investing as a long-term yeah. strategy. Um, would, but to go back we, to your... Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say, like I when I was playing with the stock market, which was kind of going back to where I said like, you know, I had some extra funds that were, you know, past my um, cushion point. I was like, I can lose this money, basically. Like, if I lose it, I'll be pissed, but it's not the end of the world. Like, I, and like, that's why I invested. Like, I also did Bitcoin, which was like, at the time too, this was probably like seven, eight years ago. I was like, I might be throwing this in the wind, you know? Um, and that's just and like that's something how you should be think about it. Yeah. Yeah. You should think about it. if it goes to zero, then. Yes, you'll be pissed, but it's this shouldn't be money that you need to live. And another thing that people always ask me is, oh, I'm saving for a house. I'm going to need a down payment in like five years, but that money is just sitting in cash. Should I invest it? And I always tell people, well, no, because unless you're going to do it in a really, really low risk way and not be buying you know, stocks or Bitcoin or whatever, because if you lose that money, then what are you going to do? You can't buy that house, right? So that's a great way to look at it. A a word of caution on buying stocks. Like it's, I think it's the coolest thing, right? You become an owner in a company, like you are an owner in Peloton now. It's a really cool thing. I always look at a couple things and you could look at this stuff on MarketWatch. I always look for a dividend. Most stocks, they'll pay you income every quarter just to be an owner of the stock. That is great, right? Like you're making money while you sleep. Um, And that's separate from if the stock goes up or down. You're getting that dividend always. So I always look for that when I'm buying buying stocks or or advising people on that because that's a cool way to make a little bit of extra cash flow. Um, Yeah. So you can can see that in MarketWatch? Yeah. Okay. I've never looked looked at that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, or Apple stock apps or Yahoo Finance or Google Finance. Like if you Google, you know, the Peloton stock, it'll show if they pay a dividend or not. Mm. And I'm always partial to the ones that do because that's free money, right? They're compensating you for owning the stock. So that's great. Um, and then I also look for, you know, there are people that do this for a living, right? They do research on all of the public companies that trade on the stock market for a living. I they post on MarketWatch 
what they think the stock's going to go to. Hmm. They're not always right. You can never be right. You can't predict this stuff, but they're the experts. They know everything about these companies. They read all their financial statements. They read all the news. They follow them. They you know go to all the shareholder meetings. I always look to see what they think the stock is going to because that's sort of an indicator to you. Oh, should I buy this now or not? Right? Because there's no, you don't really ever know, right? You, you can't predict any of this stuff. You gut is always good about trends in the world. And, um, but I always look to the experts. They're doing the research and they post it right online what they think the stock's going to go to. And there's, it's not just one person, it's usually like 20 or 30 people. Damn. So you can look for that on Market Watch too. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is if you're buying like a fund, not a stock, so you can buy a fund like, you know, the robotics ETF that I mentioned. You can see online how much are the fees that they charge for you to mm. own the fund, right? Because all these funds, someone's behind the scenes doing the work. I always tell people don't spend more than half a percent fee. Okay, that's a good that's a good rule you don't of thumb. Spend, yeah, you don't want to spend your money on fees. You want to make money owning this stuff. Right. So that's also posted on Market Watch, too. Sure, being self taught works in some areas, like making a new recipe, fixing the toilet, or keeping our plants alive. But have you ever tried to learn a new language without talking with an expert tutor? It's no bueno. Introducing Preply. Preply helps you learn to confidently speak any language through live one on one sessions with real expert tutors. Self-guided learning can be challenging to stick with, and most language learning apps are one-size-fits-all. Plus, in-person learning can be expensively complicated at best. With Preply, you'll discover a tutor and an interactive learning platform where learning becomes a passion, not homework. Preply's one-on-one approach with 50,000 expert tutors from over 203 countries is your ticket to mastering any language you choose. From immersing yourself in a new culture to succeeding in your career or simply getting unstuck on a word you don't understand, Preply teaches you to speak a new language naturally. Here's what one Preply student had to say. Best platform I've tried over the years because it's all conversational and practical. My tutor brings in videos and readings that are enormously helpful. I've been starting and stopping French for years now, and this is the first time I've really stayed with it. So book a private tutor today at preply.com slash BKP and get 50% off your first lesson for a limited time. Learn languages online with the world's best tutors for half off at preply.com slash BKP. That's preply.com slash BKP. Okay, so let's say we get invested. Mm-hmm. So like for me, I mean, how I got started, I, I downloaded one of the apps you mentioned. I, it was Robinhood yep. for me. That was just easy. I think I had like five grand to play around with. I ended up like mm-hmm. putting it in various. I think I actually started out with one grand where I put it in a couple of stocks. And then like six months after that, I was like, oh, this is fun. I've made, you know, like <laughs> as much as I put in, like this is amazing. And then I, I went to five. Um, it can be a little bit like gambling in that way where it, gets, it becomes addictive, but- on the flip side, you know, you it could turn around, things can happen, the market can obviously go crazy. Um, when, when, like, do you suggest, is there ever an appropriate time to sell? Are there any like red flags to look out for where you're like, oh shit, maybe I should sell this stock or should we always hold because the market can yeah. co- correct themselves? So, um, I have two different views. So for your, inv- your stock investing account where you're buying like, you know, a few companies. Yes, you should sell when you start seeing the stock go down significantly. And if you you truly feel like in the long term, they're not going to do well, um, you can never time the market. Like there's, it's so hard to know, but you know, I see a lot of people get greedy and they're like, well, it only went down $5. I'll just wait it out a little more. Well, okay, now it went down $10. I think, you know, it's good to take profits off the table if you've made a, a decent amount of money. Just remember, you have to pay taxes on that. Oh, can you talk about that for a quick sec? Yeah. So if you're investing, 
And it's not a retirement account. It's not a 401k or it's not an IRA. When you buy something, you're, go- you're, you're not paying taxes, right? The stock can go up and down, but you haven't sold it yet. So you don't have to pay taxes. But the second you sell the stock and now the cash is in your account, if you made money, you know, say the stock went from 50 to 100, you made money, you get charged a capital gains tax on that difference. So you're going to have a tax bill at the end of the year. They don't take the money out of your account right when you sell it. Say you sell it in August, you're not going to find out till next April that you owe, you know, a portion of of the profits back to yeah. the government. That's good. That's a good thing to so just keep remember in mind. That. Just keep that in mind. And so maybe, you know, to answer the, go back to the question about like, sh- should I sell something at the end of the year on these apps and these brokerage accounts, these portals where you're trading, it'll tell you your tax bill. So if you have a, a loser, I call them a loser, like one that's not doing well, you could sell it and then it nets out the winners and the losers. So you might not have to pay any in taxes. So it might be a good time to sell if you have a tax bill and you have a losing stock. A lot of people try to net that out so that you know they don't pay the government. Look, you just have with stocks, you have to go with your gut and and decide, you know, are you a long-term mm-hmm. buyer of that stock? Now, if it's your 401k or IRA, you never sell. You never, ever, 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 ever sell because you're yeah. in it for the long haul. You're in it for 40, 50, 60 years and you can never time the market. If you sell, you're never going to get back in in time and you're going to miss out on potential growth. Um. And so the way I, you know, think about it, retirement account, don't ever sell. Just keep, you know, and all the cash that's in there, you got to make sure it's fully invested. If it's your personal investing account, you got, you have to watch the the stocks, right? You don't want to end up buying something and then, you know, six months later, it's down. Too. Yeah. Well, okay. That's, that's, that's so interesting. And this is like great Intel because I think I've been treating my stocks kind of similarly to how I treat my, um, my long-term retirement stocks. Like I basically bought them like six, seven years ago and I just don't touch them. And, um, I mean, for the most part, I think it's worked out. Like most of my stocks have, I've only gone up and, and sometimes like when I do check in on them, like I notice they're down and it can be like, you kind of get that emotional feeling of, Oh wait, maybe I should sell it now or whatever it is. But in the long term, I feel like because I've held, like a lot of them have kind of have, have grown exponentially. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite stock is, um, is Tesla. I always brag about this one because I bought in at, it was $43 and now it's selling for like $1,100 a stock. And it's like, that's my baby. (laughs) It's amazing. No, it's amazing. And it's amazing what, what could potentially happen. And the coolest part of investing is you got to get in the game at 43 bucks. Like we all have $43, right? So it's a way you can like really, really earn money. But the problem with stocks is that it's just riskier. Mm-hmm. You know, you're dependent on Tesla doing really, really well. They could have not done really, really well. So again, it's just going back to like that's money that, you know, you said, okay if 43 goes to zero, whatever, but look what happened. It went to 1100 and that's a really cool thing. And, and it's sort of just about, do you, do you continue to believe that Tesla will do well? Mm-hmm. And you should all, you go online and see what the, the, the stock targets are, you know, for, for the stock. Another thing you could do. And I, a lot of people do this is if you get scared, you're like, holy shit, I made a lot of money on this stock. You could sell it. And then, to get your to get your profits off the table, you know, lock it in, put it in the yeah. bank, and then buy more. Yeah. I was, I was considering doing that. Like I, um, when I originally bought a lot of this stock, I was like, I'm going to use this for my wedding fund. Um, I had like a separate like savings account for my wedding, but I was also like these stocks, like a thousand bucks in here or five grand in here. Like this could eventually, like I'll take it out in time for my wedding, which like I was single at the time. So yeah. <laughs> like who knows who knows when this will happen. Um but 
like, I think if you have one of the, like a big life moment coming up, like a wedding or, you know, maybe you're buying your house or something like that, it could be a good time. And like your stocks are up, like maybe it could be a good time to cash out. I haven't done it yet. I've just, now that it's grown so much, I'm getting like greedy and I'm like, I want to stay in the game, but it's hard. There's, There's no right answer. And this is the hard part about investing, you know, because you could sell it and then it could double again and you're going to you're going to feel bad. You could not sell it and it could drop and you're going to feel bad. You, you know, it's it's all about managing the risk so that you don't put yourself in a compromising situation, right? Like if you if that stock portfolio didn't grow, could you still pay for your wedding? That's sort mm-hmm. of the question you have to answer, but could be really cool. Oh, this is going to fund my whole wedding and I don't even need to touch my savings. That, that's a cool outcome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So I have one more random question for you because we're talking about stocks and stuff. Yeah. And where things start to get really confusing, at least for me, is, you know, when you, we talk about crypto, when we talk about like <laughs> NFTs and all of that, like, first of all, like what, what the fuck is an NFT? <laughs> like, I've been trying to figure this out. I've Googled it. I'm like, I'm confused. An NFT is basically owning something on the internet that isn't a stock. So like, is one of my tweets, like, is that an NFT? It could be, (laughs) yes. Anything that you could put value on, a GIF, a song, um, like a picture, anything. So the the idea of an NFT, and this is new, 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 and it's, it's all the rage right now is, the world is saying, okay, let's use technology to allow people to buy and sell things more easily digitally, like online. Like I could buy your tweet right now for a hundred bucks and then I own it, right? Because there's only one unique tweet, right? You tweeted that thing once. I could try to sell it in a year and make money on it. Um, the thing that's hard about NFTs is like, how is, is it? How do people determine the value of a of a thing of a gorilla painting? You know, yeah. you hear about these like ridiculous like pieces of art that are selling for like millions of dollars now. It's all about supply and demand. Is someone going to pay a million bucks for that thing in five years? Who knows? But it's a really cool concept because it allows like everyday people like me and you to to buy more things and own more things. And when you own something, there's value in that. Interesting. So like, cause I've seen, I've seen shit that I've tweeted out years, like years and years and years ago, end up on like mugs and end up in <laughs> cards and something like I'll, I'll be in a store and I'll be like, that was based on one of my tweets that went viral like yeah. 10 years ago. But like, I didn't make any money off of that. Right. Like, can you go back and be like, that's my NFT? <laughs> I mean, I don't, well, that's a legal question. I have no idea, but I think that's, that's sort of like why NFTs are getting so much publicity right now because it is a way to monetize your original content. Right? Is there is there a marketplace like is there like a website? Or yeah, app there's or a ton like of them. I don't. I I don't. I have not bought an NFT yet. I am like I'm so boring. I love investing in the stock market. I love real estate, but. Um, NFTs are, they're still just so new. And I don't, because I'm running the startup, I don't have extra money on the side to, you know, go buy an NFT maybe one day. But um, there's tons of sites. I can send them to you after um, where you can go on and, you know, see the value of things and buy, buy NFTs. The problem is there's no history. So like with the stock market, there's a hundred years of history. Yeah. You know that you usually you know, earn 7% per year. We know what happens when there's an economic crisis. We know, you know, what happens when rates are low, the stock market usually does better. We don't have any history on, on NFTs. There's no guide for how you should think about it, how you should, you know, things to look at when you're buying and selling. So there's more to learn there. So I just tell people be, you know, a little cautious. Yeah. Um, same thing like we were talking about before, like with Bitcoin and crypto. And, and you know, if you want to buy individual stocks, if you have money that you don't care 
you lose if it goes to zero. Go ahead, go buy a whatever gorilla NFT. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, okay, this is great. I, I also want to like before I let you go, I want to talk about penny finance because I think a, a lot of us who, you know, maybe this is an introductory conversation or anybody who's like really interested in learning more about personal finance and not even just about the things we talked about today, but really like yeah. all personal finance. Like tell us a little bit about penny finance and like what it, how it will help us. What it is. Yeah. So yeah. I <laughs> The reason I started Penny and left um, Goldman is because I was, I kept meeting so many women who, you know, just like you are so intimidated by this stuff and we're just opting out completely. You haven't opted out, which is amazing. You've done the retirement account. You're, you're investing, even though, you know, it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't really know. Even even though I don't know anything I'm doing, yeah. <laughs> I'm like pressing buttons. <laughs> but that's, that's how you learn. You learn by doing. And so I just kept meeting women who were not investing and not managing their debt. And I also had just lived out my 20s and had so much anxiety about my debt and um, never felt financially secure. And if you look out in the world, there's not a resource that you can go to that just teaches you this stuff, but, but personal tailored to you with your numbers, right? You, there's like 5 million blog posts, but it's really hard to learn about finance and investing, reading a blog post, right? So what, what we did with Penny is we built an um, online tech tool that is personal financial advice on the internet. So you basically go on to this site, you put in your numbers and it tells you exactly what to do and you don't ever have to talk to a human. Because in my view, I feel like, you know, talking to someone about this, first of all, they're not going to talk to you if you don't have any money. And most people don't have any money in their 20s or 30s. So you're just, you, you know, who's focusing on them? So we built it in a way, people who are pre-wealth haven't made their fortune yet. You go onto this tool, um, it gives you tailored financial advice about all things finances, including how to invest, buy a house, uh, how to manage your credit cards, and it just spits out exactly what to do. And, and the main reason I did it that way, you know, people always ask me, well, why can't you just do it for everyone? You know, why can't you just sign up and you will take care of it all? And the reason we don't want to do that is I want the power to be in the hands of women everywhere. Because like I said, once women start investing, they are incredible investors and do an unbelievable job. They're incredible financial planners. And I want to keep the power in the hands of more and more women so we can close the wealth gap. Oh my gosh. Amazing. I mean, I wish I had this when I was in my early twenties and was, you know, deciding to not pay off my credit card for three months and doing stupid shit. Um, (laughs) and it was so nice of you. I know we were chatting about this earlier and I think you're going to offer about a free one month subscription for our audience. Yes. Yes. So we've made it super affordable and accessible. Penny's only $10 a month, but I don't want $10 stopping anybody from learning about their finances and getting into the investing game. So um, if you use code BIGKID, one month free, all Penny modules, we have almost 50 modules on the site at this point. And I I always like to tell people, you're not going to sit down and watch a webinar. It's a very interactive experience where you're you're like, I have 5,000 in savings. I make this and then it tells you, okay, this is the number, put $402 in your 401k, pay $801 on your debt and then it follows you through. And so I I want everyone to get that intel because it's super important. And then the other thing is we have a money quiz on our site. You don't have to buy a subscription. It's free for everyone. It tells you the two most important numbers, your future net worth, and how long until you're debt free? Anyone can take that. I want everyone in the world to take that because if I just knew those two numbers when I was 22, I wouldn't have lived with so much anxiety all of my 20s because I was doing the things, but I didn't really know is this going to work? <laughs> you know, am I ever yeah. going to pay these loans off? Am I ever going to be able to retire? And so I want everyone to, to be armed with that information. 
Oh my gosh, that is incredible. And I feel like this is a really good time for people to invest in this and, and or, you know, go take that moneymaker quiz, go check it out your penny finance because it's the beginning of the year. You know, it's like we have the motivation to like get our lives in control <laughs> a little bit more. So thank you so much for offering that. And guys listening, everybody check it out. I'm going to link it in show notes um, and make it super, super easy for you. Chrissy, thank you so much for coming on today. If they want to find, you know, obviously I'm going to link Penny Finance in show notes and all of that good stuff. If they want to find more from you, where can they find you? Um, so Penny is penny-finance.com. Our Instagram is start with a penny. And uh, you can find me at City Chrissy, C-R-I-S-S-I. Amazing. I'm going to link all that good stuff in show notes. Thank you so much for being on. Of course. Thank you so much.